0: Hey guys, Henning Morton from Flip Normals here. In this video, we're gonna be talking about some of the systemic issues of VFX. There are a lot of issues here and they're causing a lot of real world problems with artists' health. A lot of the problems here are relating to really a lot of overtime. Artists really feel that they have to push a lot of overtime in order to not be be fired. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it stems from from this fear when you're in this industry. You know, we're all we're in a creative industry and everyone is very passionate about their work and passionate about the field and and everything it sort of entails, right? So it oftentimes become a very personal thing to us. I think what a lot of artists have to realize is that in the end As much as you love it whether it's the effects animation or games that it is just a job and and you know that's totally okay it can be a job that you you love and that you you're happy about it's not like a job that you dread going into work every day like you are truly passionate about it but you also have to consider the fact that it is a job and when something is a job compared to a passion that you do, you know, hobby-wise on the side, there are certain restrictions that you should put on yourself in order to protect yourself. So why do we have issues in the first place in VFX? That is a tricky question and we won't get too deep into this because a lot of this is revolving when it comes to like the specific contracts between the vfx studios and the actual film studios like disney and warner brothers and all that but there are a few key elements here one of them is that there's a lot of competition in this field now competition is not unique to vfx a lot of all industries have that but the margins in vfx are are razor thin when it comes to the actual profits it's it's a field where in terms of startup costs in, in order to obviously in order, in order to start a full vfx studio that's expensive but in order to start a small studio which you can grow you can f- it's not that expensive compared to it you can start with A computer in your bedroom and you can link it together using dropbox and work from home solutions and all that so the startup costs aren't really that big compared to like a full-on like construction company where you have to buy excavators and all of that and then there is a lot of passion in this field as well and that's awesome i love going around to unis and talking to students and going around to different studios as well and just talking about how much people love being in the field you know you might have artists who they've got really (laughs) really old and bitter after you know working a lot of movies but they still really like the fact that they're working on cool films and that means that they will work for free (laughs) that means that they will put a lot of hours into projects where they really they really shouldn't they they treat it like martin was saying before more as like a a hobby or like a passion project instead of a job yeah and i think Obviously, overtime is something we've we've touched on before. I don't think I don't think we've ever dedicated a like a longer video to overtime. Have we? we should we should, which will probably be part of this. <laughs> um, but like I mentioned before as well, a lot of that stems from I think the insecurity and the fear when it comes to these kinds of jobs. You know, oftentimes uh, contracts are short, three to six months. The the kind of work you'll be doing is you know you're unsure what it, what exactly it entails and and when it comes to like a studio level they don't even really know what kind of work they they have they have coming in they have an an idea and they will be bidding on shows but oftentimes the reason contracts are the way they're structured is because of the uncertainty that comes from a high level you know like the main studio let's say Lionsgate or whatever wants to produce something um they'll Contact like a sister studio probably, which will contact someone like Framestore, and then they'll be in like a bidding thing, and they will say, okay, this is going to take this many hours, and this is going to take this many hours. And once you get into that territory, it becomes competitive between the studios. Um, Lionsgate is probably going to reach out to MPC, maybe Weta, and see where can they get the best deal. So even at a high level, it becomes competitive, and obviously that trickles down to the artists as well because that's kind of the the industry that it fosters overtime is i can't I can't say this enough is a huge issue in this field and it's a tricky one like morton is saying here there's a lot of competition in the field but that's not the whole story. This is—we've been talking a little bit about this before. Where you know you really should be careful about blaming artists because, like we're saying, this is a systemic issue. One of the main issues behind overtime—maybe half of all the overtime I've ever seen in a studio, maybe more than that—is due to artists just working after hours they're not even doing like unpaid overtime they're doing free labor nobody asked them to to stay there and do the extra shot or do the extra model really refine it they did it because they love the job which is awesome but a huge problem that like a second order effect of all this is that now the bids are all crazy and the bid is just it's basically how how many hours does it take to do to do a show, to do a film. You might have maybe it's a thousand senior hours, it's a five hundred middle level artists and like two thousand junior hours. And they have to know this. When you're bidding a show, you have to know exactly how many hours this takes. So if you have, well this show took four thousand hours to do, well in reality it took six thousand hours to do. And that one of the reasons they don't have accurate numbers on that is because they legit don't know. Now I'm not saying the studios aren't at fault for underbidding as well they clearly are but we had this when I was at MPC where there were there was talks of like unionizing and all that because there were some legit issues there but one of the things the the coordinators and the producers kept telling us was that look we're not saying there aren't issues but you also aren't logging your hours we don't know how many hours he worked on anything here and of course they can they can go down into the into the the offices at like it's seven o'clock eight o'clock nine o'clock and they can see that people are still there but that's no data that's like anecdotal you need to know how many hours a specific task took yeah I'd be curious actually if 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 the majority of the VFX houses actually know like how long a task takes um you know let's say you you need to create a creature are they fully aware of the scale of what it takes to actually create hour wise or do they have a guesstimate based on okay we have these hours here and people will work this percentage you know over time so we could probably get away with only bidding this well i think one of the biggest issues with this in terms of working working overtime is how you not only devalue yourself because you're literally taking away, uh, like, hours of your life, giving it away for free and not getting paid, devaluing yourself. But you're also devaluing your fellow artists um, and everyone else in the production, because now you're giving an inaccurate representation of how long a task takes. Um, And by you doing that, and I mean, you, me, everyone, um, you sort of... Set the bar differently for what's expected hour-wise when you create a task. Let's say let's say you you wanted to do a full creature, like Godzilla. I don't know, random creature. Let's say we bid a thousand hours, like a thousand artist hours for everything, modeling, texturing, uh, simming, rigging, whatever it is. If you put in an additional twenty percent, was that two hundred hours? Two hundred hours extra. Those two hundred hours aren't getting logged. And now you're screwing everyone in the department over as well because maybe some will work overtime, maybe some won't. But the people who don't work overtime, now it sort of becomes expected that they have to work overtime as well. Yeah, now suddenly Morton is sitting there and is doing his eight hours a day and is doing a great job with that. But because I've spent 10 hours on the tasks, the producers are like, why aren't you done with it? Well, because it needs two hours more. Yeah. Yeah, but the last artist was able to do it in, in eight hours as well. But he wasn't or he or she wasn't able to do it because it took so much longer. So the moment I'm doing free labor, like if it's if it's unpaid overtime, that's problematic. But if it's free labor, which is not logged, Morton has to explain to his dog <laughs> <laughs> why I'm home late, <laughs> why you're home late, why the dinner is cold. <laughs> I think a lot of it also stems from like the it's called the golden age of of animation and visual effects you know it was was a small industry with a few very passionate people that didn't know what they were doing whatsoever they were just like okay we can do something with vertices now and and, okay we can throw a ray of light at it cool so they were crunching to get things finished because it was a new and exciting field but i think sort of a a leftover of that time is that it's been overly romanticized how this like oh yeah you know we got to work over time it's it's a team effort but like the reality is you make it more less of a team effort because you work overtime you take the time away that's or like the expected time you're not really meeting that anymore that's why i think it's it's such a big problem why it screws over not just you but other artists and and the departments as well In the beginning when you're you're starting off in a studio you really want to prove yourself you know you come from you you come from a life where you've been looking up to to artists for a long time you know maybe it was your childhood dream to work in movies like i I wanted to do that for like 10 years before i went into movies (laughs) it was like an awesome thing finally you're able to to make your mark so you want to do the best damn thing you can but it's not a solo sport Cannot stress that enough. This is a hundred percent a team effort. This is you are. I mean, it's going to sound a little cynical, but you are a tiny cog in a big machine, and it's a well-oiled machine, and it's a machine which produces amazing results. There is no room for ego in this whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. It's it's interesting, like with the (laughs) with when it comes to overtime, because over the years. I, I've never worked a single hour of overtime. And, and I'm not saying that it's like some sort of humble brag or anything, but that's because I was very clear from the beginning what I wanted to do with my time in and out of the studio. So I had, you know, Flip Normals on the side, had another company on the side that I was doing. Uh, and, and, and Flip Normals in particular was, you know, that was our passion project. That's what we went home and, and spent our hours on at night. So I was very clear, you know, when at, at 6, 7 o'clock, whatever it is, uh, I'm done, I'm out of here. But that doesn't mean that I haven't been asked to work overtime. This has happened many times. But every single time I've said, no, no sorry, I, I, I can't do that. Um, I don't have time, whatever it is, you know, any excuse is basically valid. Just saying no is a valid excuse because you shouldn't be expected to, to put in hours and work for free. Now, where I think it, it becomes a bit of an issue is is with the leads and the supervisors when they expect you to and you kind of get the side eye for not doing it so i think there's partly a responsibility on the higher ups there let's say they're doing the bids for the shows you can't always expect someone as like as a supervisor or whoever's doing the bidding for the show we're probably like the the whoever's responsible for one department let's say modeling or something you would have ahead of that who would bid the show for the modeling part. Um, it's also up to them to be in discussion with the supervisors and the leads to figure out what's realistic. You know, so maybe, maybe the, there's pressure on from the studio or whatever, and they say, okay, you have 500 hours, not a thousand hours for this creature, make it work. And they go like, no, we can't do that. Too bad, make it work. Okay, they go down, they talk to their supervisors and their leads, and they're like, sorry, we only have 500 hours, not a thousand hours. You talk to your artists. And at that point, I think it's up to the leads and the supervisors to be like, I mean, that's shitty of I will ask my artists, not in a a sort of expecting way. I don't want to they shouldn't expect or or I can't expect them to come in if they really want to. I think they should present it in an apologetic way where like, I'm really sorry, I have to ask this for you. Bad planning, blah, blah, blah. Um, Can you come in on a Saturday? The artist says no they say great don't worry about it there shouldn't be any guilt tripping there shouldn't be any like second rounds of asking like are you sure you can't come in it should just be a definitive answer no no means no and you know in this situation yeah i think it's also important when it comes to it if, if it takes a thousand hours and you've been given 500 hours then well if you're being given 500 hours it's going to look like <laughs> 500 hours <laughs> like yeah. i had this happen before in the effects with a great supervisor i work with and um and he was saying that you know you've been given one day for this task if you can do it in one day awesome if you can't i know it's a three-day task just deliver what you could deliver yeah and it will just cost the chaos it causes but that is the only only way they will be able to teach like the management the lesson why you cannot do this like it is like the whole you you can't have a baby in four months by having like two moms you need like you just need to take you just <laughs> will just take as much time as this takes that one kind of had to sink in i had i had a see i was talking about that like can't we just have a baby in one month if we have nine moms hired <laughs> and like no you cannot do that you will get the end res- the end result will just be what it is then certain things just take a certain amount of time yeah. like if if i'm being given like a thousand hours to or if it takes a thousand hours to do the creature i'm given 500 it's going to be a subpar creature it's not going to look the way they expect it to which in this case they're going to have to go back and redo it afterwards it's you always somehow you always have enough time to redo it but you never have time to do it properly the first time yeah i i remember that from um we're working on pacific rim 2 and very early on in the process we were talking about the anatomy of the creatures and the, the kaiju I was working on at the time. I, I brought up some concerns. This is not, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus or anything, but I, I brought up some concerns with the anatomy. I was, I was telling the art the, team and everyone connected to it that I foresee some issues mm. with rigging and, and simming further down the line because it's not anatomically viable. It doesn't matter that it's an alien creature, this just doesn't work. And they're like, don't worry about it. It's it's an alien. Famous last words. Yeah. Uh, and guess what? Four months later, you go back to the drawing board and they're like, oh, man, it's just this anatomy. It doesn't work. I think we had a new guy come in, a new supervisor or something. And he was like, this is shit. I was like, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, do you want to <laughs> see my notes? I already have them prepared from four months ago. And, uh, you know, we ended up instead of correcting it at that point, which would have taken a couple of days. We, we wasted weeks of artist time. Because we had to redo rigging, retopology, UVs. Um, so, you know, bad planning and not and sort of looking ahead. I'm not sure exactly what the moral of this story is. Oh, it's just a tangent. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah, I think it comes down to planning. Yeah. Let's segue into planning. Because planning on, on, on this kind of level, or where, whether it's a high-level thing, when the studios are doing their bidding, it's, it's, it's the same thing, right? If, if the studio doesn't plan properly you're gonna not you're not gonna have enough time and i think that's what happens consistently there's like two possibilities either they're incompetent at planning or they're willingly underbidding to to win the show right and if it's like if they're willingly underbidding okay there's nothing you can do about that then you just have to i mean either case you have to say no to to work overtime but in in the other case where they're just bad at planning they don't actually know how long it takes. That is something I think can be fixed by consistently not working overtime and giving them a real picture of how long it actually takes for, let's say to, to create a creature from start to finish. What I think is also incredibly important is to talk like specifically about the responsibility of an artist. Like how can you change as an artist? Obviously a lot of things here is down to management. You cannot change like the contract length no. yourself. <laughs> but that's it. There are just some 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 ground facts. But one of the ways which would really help me was to, like Morton was alluding to before is consider it consider it a job. Like it is, no matter how you how you turn it. It is a job where you work for money and uh, you're you're delivering something else to be a profitable product Mm. i think it it really helps in this regard to simplify it down and take away like the art part of it take away the fact that you're working in seabrush or nuke or you're doing something colorful and you're making explosions consider it like you're a doctor or something like that you would never be asked just to like do doctoring in your spare time to improve—that <laughs> would be insane. If um, if you were to ask as an accountant, "So, what kind of uh, accounting have you done in your spare time? Can you show me your spreadsheets?" you will be like, "What are you talking about? It's—it's—I it, do accounting at work, and I get paid for it. I think it should be hundred percent acceptable to do the same in VFX as well. Mm-hmm. To see this as a viable career path as a way to make money now." you know, you should still be passionate about your job. And there is a reason you're tracking this in the first place. If you only want the money, you should probably go into something like banking or cryptocurrency mining. You know, do you. Do you. Yeah, Don't do effects for the money. No, no, don't do that. But but that said, it is still a job. And in that job, you have to make money. And, you know, after a few years, you, you might have, it's not that you get, maybe you get sick or bitter of VFX, but you get different priorities. Mm. You want to have a family, you want to see your parents more there are so many other things than just life or just work in life like you know once you have your 20th credit the 21st may not be the most important one so i think we have to normalize that that this is this is a job where it should be a hundred percent acceptable to move company because you want more money it's anyone who says that money doesn't rule the world like they haven't they haven't lived in a big city like london or vancouver or one of the other giant cities and lived below what you should make the company exists to of course they also exist to you know to to make good movies and all that but they are inherently a business they're not a non-profit company so i really think it needs to be normalized that this should that this should be a viable career path where money isn't something you kind of just talk about with your friends outside of like in dark whisper or in low whispers, but it's something that is legit talked about. Why are you passionate about working for this company? Well I've heard you actually pay quite well. Mm-hmm. That that should be that should be acceptable. Yeah it's almost like in an artist position, right, where people expect you to do work because you're passionate about it. And not just because not because you want to get paid. It's a hundred percent legitimate that you want a job because you want to get paid. I mean, that's how the world works. Um, That being said, I think that definitely hiring someone who shows that they're passionate about the field can definitely be an advantage versus, like let's say you get someone in who just goes like, yeah, I want $50,000 a year. I'll work this and this. Great, good to go. Okay, maybe not the best chemistry. No. (laughs) Um, You want to hear something about them, but expecting them to this has personally never happened to me i think i've been very fortunate to work with companies that just haven't cared like they haven't asked those kinds of questions they were just interested in seeing my portfolio um my my sort of my history of work and and the kind of work that i've produced right but i I do know that it is something that people are being asked um it should be 100 percent legitimate to say you don't really work outside of work um but that doesn't mean that you can't Uh, you know it's still being a hobby it's still being a passion you can definitely put in the time where you just got to be i guess straight about your priorities there what exactly is that is it that you want to focus on because even without developing new skills outside you can still keep up to date with the industry like new software being released uh will i be out of a job as a modeler because we're all switching over to automatic topology not going to happen anytime soon but you know (laughs) could these kinds of things are things you can keep up to date on without actually having to sit down and grind, be- because you believe that is what's going to get you the next job. But that said, little tangent here. But if you're a student, there's mm. no such thing as overtime. Like if you were expected to work from like nine to three o'clock and you work later on, that's not overtime you're you're not being paid for your work you will just have to keep pushing it hard and hard and hard every single day as a student and that's a bit scary but that's just that's just the reality of it there is no there is no cap for once you hit oh 10 hours a day then you're fine so but where this becomes important is when you've been used to working 12-hour days as a student you have to be able to put the brakes so on the moment you start in, in, in the field this is a really common issue i see people are used to working insane hours to get into them into the studio and they just keep doing the same where you know we work with people before who's done that you know they kept on working like first year effects and they they burnt them out they burn themselves out like crazy yeah i think it's important to dis- have that distinction between uh, once you're a professional and and when you were a, sh- a student, because as a student, if you just if you just do the schoolwork, nothing more, most likely you're not going to be the one who gets the job because you just need to put in the hours. whatever that is, our hour mes- wise, like I don't know, it depends on you as an artist, how fast you develop. Um, but it is something that you should consider like now but bringing that let's call it bad habit into vfx is something you shouldn't do that's where you have to start obviously it's going to be hard from the get-go to just click okay no more work but it's something that takes time you get used to it and, and then you start treating it more and more like a job the beauty of getting a job is that you can now maybe for for, for the first time in many years you can actually start to do other things yeah. than just working have a hobby that's not 3d yeah i should get that <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> but I, i've seen that a lot now where um, where we i see students who they after the year after they graduate they're just too burnt out to actually do 3d in their spare time after yeah. work but they still feel that they have to put in the extra hours at the studio because they just they're just really afraid of where it can where it can go i mean you have to you also have to consider when you're a student and you're working these crazy hours let's say you work 12 14 hours a day whatever you still have to take care of your body yes you you still have to take breaks you still have to look away from the screen like go for a walk eat properly do some exercise like you can't just put your your life completely on hold just because you have to put in the effort because then once you enter enter the industry. Your body's gonna be messed up, and you're gonna have like carpal tunnel syndrome and, and like a slip disc or whatever. So there is definitely that aspect to consider as well. Yeah, both Mark and I are completely destroyed in terms of in terms of that. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Working <laughs> hard was, you know, like you get we got we got pretty pretty fast into the effects, but it, it had a really it had a real toll on both our bodies. Yeah, I have chronic back pain. <laughs> yeah, I, I have issues with my arms and shoulders. And I I wasn't sure in first year of university, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to finish the first year of university mm-hmm. just because of that. So, But that's like a thing in general, like that's not... That's not just as a student you have to take care of yourself throughout yeah, yeah. that's one of the main points about this video that you you will have to take care of your health and and health isn't physical health health is mental health it's just health it's how you're feeling in you know in your in your mind and in your body like there is some real synergy in that without starting sounding too much like a linkedin post here <laughs> but, but it is important and and when it comes to to being healthy there are a few warning signs you have to start to look out for in i've heard this once when i was in vfx we're like a family here and that makes me gag so hard like it's i, I have a hard time expressing how uncomfortable the notion of we're like a family here makes me it's far as i know it's not common to hire and fire family members sometimes (laughs) sometimes you do but not all the time and you sure as hell don't negotiate contracts with other families and put them you know sell people and have you don't have you don't have like a brother for a three-month contract (laughs) (laughs) no i think it's it's an important aspect to to consider because like all of this kind of ties into working overtime right and and how much spare time do you spend on becoming a better artist or whatever it is uh if a, if i think if a studio presents itself as a family um, specifically that there's probably something that should go off in your brain be like oh we always look out for each other and um blah 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 sure you know your colleagues are your colleagues they can be friends They can be kind of like family but that's your colleagues not the studio the studio unfortunately primarily cares about its bottom line It'll definitely do what it can if it's a good studio to also take care of you, um, provide nice facilities, uh, good working hours, food, whatever it is. But don't for a second, and it, it can sound bleak, but don't for a second think that if you don't add value to the company, that they will keep you around. Like if they feel they're better served with another artist who can deliver better quality at a faster rate or whatever it is, and they're cheaper than you, Once they have new shows coming in, they might reevaluate your contract. So there's definitely that aspect to consider. And then you also have to think about taking care of yourself, because when these things happen, especially with contracts, because contracts are so short in VFX, like we mentioned, three to six months, sometimes you get a year. I think my longest contract was six months. Yeah, I've had one year twice, but, uh, but my latest contracts were three months, and that was as a senior liars at d <laughs> yeah. We were both on three-month contracts at the end, I think. Yeah, I remember our, sort of like the last couple of, the last month or so at d before we left there was, um, you know, they, 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 were, they were expressing that they were really happy with both of us and they really wanted to extend our contracts. They just couldn't right now because they were bidding on shows. Uh, the problem with that is that no shows were confirmed. So even though they loved apparently working with us, there was nothing they could do at the time. Um, at, at that point, you know, I think maybe a week before our contract was running out, something like that, we were just like, no, we're out. Okay. Don't worry about it. Um, and they did extend people eventually. And I think if we had stayed, we would have been extended anyway. But we wanted to take the jump to Flip normals at that point, for working full time. But I think in situations like that, you have to look out for yourself. And that means being proactive. First of all, if you have a three-month contract, I don't know, after a month and a half or so, go to HR or go to your uh, department manager and ask, what is the work situation looking like? Can I expect to be extended? Are you happy with me? Blah, blah, blah. And if they say, oh, we don't know. Even if they say, yeah, we love working with you and we can guarantee that you get a contract. Don't take that as a guarantee. Start contacting other studios. Um, reach out to them and say, hey, my contract is finishing at this date. Will you have work available just to cover your bases? Because I have seen it so many times. Guarantees from studios about when you can start working or something else. If, if the shows don't come in, they can't deliver on them. And that's not the studio being evil. That's just because they don't actually have any work coming in. They, they're missing the work they thought they were going to have. And therefore, they can extend you. And this is where there needs to be some kind of symmetry as well. I see, I see this a lot, where your people are loyal to studios. And not saying that a, a place which has treated you well, you know, you should just ditch them the first moment you can. You know, there should be some symmetry. Here. If they've treated you really well, you know, give them the respect they deserve back. But if they're willing to, if they're giving you a three month contract, like no matter what words they're using. You need to see, you need to watch what they're doing, not what they're saying. Yeah. And what they're actually doing is they're, they're keeping you on just long enough so you can do the work, but the moment there is any danger, they can get rid of you. So you need to keep this in mind to keep yourself safe. It's not about loyalty. It's literally about, can you, can you pay rent? Can you feed your family? Yeah. You know, can you go on vacation? All these kind of things, so important. To watch out for yourself first, yeah. And I th- at different studios they have different, you know, obviously different countries as well have different kind of termination periods. I think at DNEG we had like a one week, yeah. It was something yeah crazy. we were signed a week before we, um, pre-weaved. and I think at Framestore, I maybe had a month, I think I had four weeks at MPC Some, as well, something like that, you know, so it varies and it probably varies from country to country. This was in the UK, um, I think just another segue talking about loyalty. I promise you it'll be. It's, it's relevant. Uh, I had a friend of mine who um, she worked on a film and she was very late in the process. She was brought over to work on this film. Um, she was an f- effects artist or something. And they needed some shots before delivery. They brought her over, go to do the, the job. And she wasn't new to the industry, but she was like fairly new. Junior had maybe worked for like six months or a year or something like that. And and she was very much in the mindset of she wanted to prove herself, which I think and we all have that. You know, we all want to do obviously the best work that we can do and we want to make sure that also we're recognized for it because we we are passionate about this and we love what we do. And so there was this one night where she stayed up until like three, four, five AM in the morning working at the studio to finish this shot. And I talked to her the morning after and she was just like a mess. Like, what, what are you doing this is unnecessary and super unhealthy and she was like no no i just i just need to get this shot done because they're expecting it of me but like then say no because this is not good i mean you're two weeks before the delivery blah 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 this is it can wait she did it again on the following day uh 3 4 a.m same story and i believe she was sick for like a week after or something <laughs> yeah. because she had just put in like like six working days worth of work in two days and uh, film comes out and she's not even on the credits and she was she was destroyed by that and it was just it was one of those things where yeah i kind of feel bad for you but at the same time you did this to yourself it might be the studio pressured you into working overtime but you do have the ability to say no now if you are a supervisor or a lead and you pressure your your junior yeah. six months out of school into doing 72 hours in you know like two <laughs> days then you should like get a restraining order against yourself and and as far as i know that's never happened i never heard anyone expect that in in that regard yeah, or getting fired for not no 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 no, time. no, no. i mean it's i i i was once asked by this was a sneaky one they did it they did the double on me where first the i don't know production coordinator she comes in and she's like hey morning um monday is easter i'm like yes i am aware um can you work monday i'm like sorry no i can't it's easter yeah it's easter i have to i don't know be a piece of crap on the bed or something (laughs) and she's like oh okay fair enough and she leaves five minutes goes by or whatever and uh, my supervisor comes in and he's like talking to the other people in the room blah 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 and then he Sort of casually looks over at me and is like, Mon, um, well, you're coming in on Monday, right? I'm like, no, I just told blah 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 that I'm not coming, and I've, it's Easter, and he was like, oh, okay, like almost offended that I didn't want to come in, and I I think that that was like this the the sort of how do you say like scummiest way i've ever been asked to work overtime where one person coming in okay obviously they gotta know they'll try again but a little more forceful it wasn't so much of a question like uh, can you work it was like you are coming in right and if you hadn't been in the position you were in where you know you had flip normals and we we're just at the end of yeah. like we know we were seriously starting to take over like go we had 40 weeks at that point you know, we, we we didn't work mondays because we did full we did mondays for youtube or flip <laughs> yeah. if you hadn't been in that position you might have just done that yeah which brings us to how do you act as a leader and a supervisor now this is this is a tricky one and this is this of, this of course our opinions on the subject but what i feel is that as a supervisor one of your main responsibilities is to make sure that your team are protected. I really feel that you're supposed to be like a leader of your team. Your, your title might literally be a lead. You're not supposed to be a taskmaster who whips them. I never <laughs> thought about that. Huh? I've always just like, <laughs> it's a word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but obviously you're leading the team. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's more about that, you know, you're actually helping create synergy in the team and making sure you have like, you know, good team spirit. Yeah. For me, all this boils down to the fact that this is not a family it's like a professional sport and it's like as a as a as a leader or a supervisor you're more like a coach and you're not supposed to just whip them into into shape you're supposed to inspire them you attract a lot more talent and you create you nurture a lot more talent if you treat them like like people i think that's so important if, if again, in the whole thing we talked about before, you begin 500 hours and it's a 1,000-hour job, you should just go, no, my team cannot do this. It's physically impossible to do it. Yeah, and that's also where, like we talked about before, y- you have to establish some personal boundaries, professional boundaries. Yeah. And if an artist says no to not working overtime, that's that should be perfectly acceptable. There shouldn't be any like... Prying into why or why not can't you work? It's like if if they say no, they can't work. It's there's forget about the pressuring, and it should be your job to protect them from overtime. Be apologetic about it. Like we talked about, it it was like I'm really sorry to ask you this, but can you come in on on a Saturday? If you say no, that's totally fine. I see this a lot in in VFX where particularly in the UK. Somehow, where there seems to be this big hierarchy, like in like almost like you have castes of society where. People seem to assume that if you're a supervisor or a lead or a management, then you're above them. Like you're in a different level a yeah, tier. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's not the case at all. If you're just another person and that person might have a more demanding job than you and more responsibility on your shoulder but as a human you are a hundred percent equal so if somebody has in a contract that you know it's an agreed upon contract between a company and a worker it there should be some symmetry there if you if you're if you're being asked to do something which goes outside of that and you tell them no that should be respected because you do not know what the person is going through in their personal life. It could be breakup, death of a family member. It could be whatever. Could you, be you just want to sleep. Could be you just want to sleep. Like it literally doesn't matter. Like if you just want to sleep or if you had like something serious happen in your life, it's not like the supervisor is not above you in life. He has no authority over, over that. He, he can tell you what to do. Like within the working window Mm -hmm. but as a human (laughs) has no authority over you yeah and i think one thing that you have to consider as well especially for for supervisors in some companies some places a supervisor's salary is is there's a buffer in there where they have added overtime pay you know they don't get paid for overtime but they get paid more because they are expected to work overtime and fair enough if that's the deal that they have made they get to work overtime because they're actually getting paid more for it. Now, I don't think that's the best solution. I think you should be paid for the hours extra you put in. Ultimately, this is probably a strategic move from the studios because they know and expect from their supervisors to work more overtime. So they know they would have to pay them even more if they paid per hour, obviously. Um, But that is one of those things that's going to be really hard to change. I think the only thing that we can do is encourage artists really you know from a low level uh, to 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 start saying no and and have some more self-respect not just for you but also consider your your fellow artists artists what you saying yes to overtime does to them and to the rest of the team yes yeah, so i mean to to sum all this up like as an artist you have to log your hours <laughs> there is no nowhere around that even if you were to give them free labor don't recommend that. I highly recommend against that. But if you do work after hours, you have to log it, full stop. Yeah. Otherwise, you are screwing over everyone else, and Morton can't see his dog. <laughs> the dog that I still don't have. <laughs> yeah. Soon though. Soon though. The the days as a student they're over. You're not a student anymore. You were. You were. You were driving 100 kilometers an hour. Now you're a professional, and you should treat the job as a job no you shouldn't treat it just as like it's you grow in a grocery store with more with like no upwards mobility because there is there's a lot of upwards mobility in it you should treat it as like a career you should treat it as like a career path but don't burn yourself out like crazy respect yourself take care of your health and realize that your actions they affect yourself and people in the industry. One person of a 2,000-person company might not be a huge ripple, but 2,000 people out of a 2,000-person company, consistent behavior over, over a long time, that sends ripple through the industry. Mm. There is a reason why certain companies have a great reputation and others people, other studios don't. Mm-hmm. It's not just because they're, they have like free pizza on Fridays or something. It's because of their consistent behavior with all their employees or the majority of their employees. Yeah, and I think it's important again to, to think about that. The studio doesn't owe you anything. Like, they don't owe you a job. I mean, obviously, if you've worked, they owe you money. But <laughs> other than that, they, they, yeah. you shouldn't expect loyalty from them, just as they shouldn't expect loyalty for you or from you. You have to look out for yourself, but be respectful. You know, uh, there's no reason to go around being a douchebag about it. It's like you can still be respectful and you can still love your your company that you work for and and love the work but you just have to take care of yourself and then as a supervisor or lead or a person who's a manager you need to make make sure that you you properly lead the team you make sure that the people you who work under you they're they're they feel a part of your team and they have the resources they need in order to do their job and that they're protected from like the office politics of it and that the hours it takes to do the job those are the hours they take mm. so we're really interested in hearing your opinions about this as well you know we we obviously have our own personal experience and we're really interested in hearing you know obviously we're based in we were based in london before and that's that's where we're where we're, that's that's our bias yeah so we'd love to hear people from you know different different companies and different parts of the world what has your experience been like what systematic issues have you have you seen in vfx and Another one, which is maybe a little for another video, should you unionize? <laughs> oh yes, yeah. This is that's not so much what we're talking about here. No, like a small bit of unionization. um But I I would be curious to hear also some of the bad experience that people have had. Like, uh, have you directly been fired because you said no to working overtime? It never happened to be, and it's never happened to anyone I know. But it could totally happen. So yeah. Uh, Reach out to us in the comments and, and tell us your experiences. We would love to hear them. And thank you so much for watching and click the little notification bell to hear more Flip Normal rants about VFX and click the subscription button to subscribe to us as well.